0: All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to First Thessalonians chapter number 4. First Thessalonians chapter number 4. Once you've found your place in the Word of God, we'll read this passage of Scripture and have prayer and then bring the message God has laid upon our heart. First Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For ye you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication." that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man but God, who hath also given unto us His Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for yourselves are taught of God to love one another. And indeed ye do it toward all brethren, which are in all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye study to be quiet and do your own business and work with your own hands, as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, that, and that ye may have lack of nothing. Our Heavenly Father, I ask You now to bless the reading of Thy Word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would have His will and His way. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject, on how to please your heavenly father how to please your heavenly father paul here in chapter number 4 uh is dealing with uh, a lot of things concerning uh christian character and a christian walk and we know that uh in this chapter here is a great chapter of the resurrection of the saints and oftentimes when uh we hear preaching and teaching from this chapter it begins in verse number 13 uh on throughout the rest of the chapter and rightfully so but we cannot overlook what paul says uh in the early verses of this chapter Paul mentions in verse number one he says furthermore then we beseech you brethren and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God how ye ought to walk and please God how to please your heavenly father Paul says that pleasing God has everything to do with the way that we walk and certainly Paul mentions this over and over if you go to the book of Ephesians Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 1 he says walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. In chapter 4 and verse 17 of Ephesians he said walk not as other Gentiles walk. In chapter 5 and verse number 2 Paul admonishes them to walk in love. And then in chapter 5 and verse number 8 he said walk as children of the light. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 7 Paul says for we walk by faith and not by sight. Paul mentions all throughout his epistles about the walk of the believer, and so we know there is the wealth of the warfare of the believer. But what about the walk of the believer? And Paul says, if you're going to please God, it has everything to do with your walk. Well, in these twelve verses that we have read here, Paul is going to give in these 12 verses, three uh, three descriptions of the Christian walk, three things that uh, you and I are to take in here concerning how we are to walk as believers. I want to give you these three things here concerning that. Number one, in the first eight verses, Paul encourages uh, these believers here at, Thess- at Thessalonica to walk in holiness. Notice what he says in verse number one. He says, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, that as you have received of us, how you ought to walk and to please God as you would abound more and more. Paul tells us here that uh, he puts so much emphasis on this because our walk is to please God. If you and I really want to please God, then we've got to walk in holiness. Amen? Holiness pleases the Lord. Paul mentions holiness here in verse number 7, for God hath not called us unto uncleanliness, but unto holiness. He talks about the Holy Spirit in verse number 8. Paul mentions uh, this manner of holiness. It's important. And we're living in a time when uh, people don't place a lot of premium on that, but the Bible still does. And Paul says, you want to please God, you want to please your heavenly Father, walk in holiness. It pleases God. Secondly, in verse 2 and 3, we're we're to walk in holiness not only because it pleases God, but we're to walk in holiness to obey God. He said, For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication. So Paul is laying that out there. Paul is saying that we have been given orders. We have been given, uh, given command commandments. And so that word commandments is a military term and it f- refers to orders handed down from a superior officer. And certainly we've been given orders, direct orders from the Word of God. And we've been instructed through the men of God as they preach the Word that we're to live a holy life. Living holy, uh, listen, obeys God. It pleases Him. And if you're saved and you love Him, then you ought to have a desire to want to obey Him, to please Him. I want to say, not only does Paul mention that walking in holiness here uh, is to please God and to obey God, but he says in verse 4 and 5, it's to glorify God. Notice what he said, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. He glorifies Him. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. You think about that. Uh, Paul... Uh, he uses the word vessel here. And that word vessel means to control his body. It can also mean to live uh, to live with his own life. And Paul says here that you and I have a responsibility <clears throat> that we are to know how to possess or control our own body, that we are to, uh, to sanctification and honor. And so we have that responsibility uh, to walk in holiness. It, it pleases God. It obeys God, and then it glorifies God. And then it's to escape the judgment of God. Look at verse number 6. He said that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such. And as we also have forewarned you and testified. Now think about this. Uh, Paul talks about, uh, he talks about the judgment of God. Uh, You find that phrase that no man go beyond. And that literally means to step over. And Paul is talking about that you and I have a responsibility uh, to walk our, uh, to to live our life and to walk in holiness in a way uh, that it escapes the judgment of God. We know that we're going to face the judgment seat of Christ. We that are saved will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So there's no escaping that. But what we can escape at at the judgment seat is we can escape the judgment of God if you and I will walk in holiness. In other words, we can win those crowns. God will bless us and we can, we can obtain those crowns that, uh, that that we can receive at that judgment seat. We know that every man is going to be judged, of course. And uh, But my friend, uh, God is a God of judgment, both for the saved and for the lost. We understand that. But here we have a responsibility that if we're going to please our Heavenly Father, then we have to walk in, in holiness. You know, I think about... A chastisement of a believer. Paul talked about that in the book of Hebrews. And uh, that's one of the evidences of salvation is that we will experience chastisement if we go astray, if we disobey God, that God will chasten, for He scourgeth every son, the Bible said, whom He loveth. And so God chastens His children. That That's very simple for us to understand. But walking in holiness escapes that judgment. It escapes that chastisement. And you and I ought to be careful how that we live our life because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, the Bible says. And so he tells us to walk in holiness. Secondly, I want you to notice that Paul tells us to walk in harmony. Look at verse number 9 here. He said in verse number 9, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Verse 10, And indeed, you do it toward all brethren which are in all Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So Paul tells us to walk in holiness, but now Paul tells us to walk in harmony. We're to walk in harmony uh, one with another. We're in brotherly love. We're to walk in in harmony with the church. You know, it is amazing that in church you always have that one or two individual that wants to be stubborn, always wants to go against whatever the pastor's doing, whatever the church is doing. They just don't want to get in line. They just don't want to walk in harmony. Some have never been saved. That's why uh, they're they're walking disorderly because they've never been born again. Some have allowed pride and other things to to overtake them. But but a true believer that loves God and, and really is trying to serve Him. Now, now believers can of course walk in uh, disorderly as we mentioned. But a believer that wants to please God and wants to serve God, uh, listen, they can walk in harmony. And, and, it's, and it's automatic. He said in verse number 9, but as touching brotherly love, you need no need that I write unto you. I mean, as far as loving the brethren, if you're saved, that just that just comes automatically. The Bible says in the book of First John, we know that we have passed from death unto life because... We love the brethren. Say people love the church. They, they, they want to be around the church. They want to get along with the church. They, they, they want to be associated with the church. They love the fellowship of, of, of other believers. Why? Because it's just automatic in our life. And, and walking in harmony should be automatic. Walking in harmony should mean all brethren. Notice he said in verse, number, in verse number 10, he said, And indeed you do it toward all the brethren. In other words, we can't pick and choose who we want to walk with in the church. We can't decide, well, I love so-and-so, but I, I don't love so-and-so. I want to be around so-and-so, but I don't want anything to do with this individual here. I think oftentimes uh, uh, we miss out on great relationships within a church because if we're not careful, we'll we'll just be drawn to that one or two people in the church. We'll isolate ourselves with them and say, well, this is all I need. But real Christian fellowship, you know what it does? It puts everybody on the same level. It doesn't elevate one amongst the other. It takes care of cliques and, and people and all those other things, but real Christian fellowship causes us to treat everyone as a brother beloved. It causes us to love all the brethren. I think that's a sign of real Christian maturity is when you can look beyond people's faults and love them in spite of their faults and failures. We all have them. You saw, but preacher, some people have a lot of faults. So do I. So do you. I like the old song, He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. And I'm thankful that Christ looked beyond our fault and saw our need. I I want to encourage you to to walk in harmony, uh, walk in holiness. Paul is saying that to this church here is that it should be automatic. It should be all brethren. We should learn to love the weaker as well as to love the strong. In fact, I would go as far as to say this, that that individual that most people don't want to fellowship with, that church member that maybe people shy away from, maybe they're not a very popular church member, that's the person that needs your love more than anybody. They need that extended hand. They, they need that word of encouragement. And you can find something good to say about them and I'll tell you the way our flesh is geared, if you and I are not careful uh, it could be a shock to our own system to find out that we're not as wonderful as what we think we are. But people love us in spite of us. They don't love us because of us. It's not that we're so wonderful that people want to have fellowship with us. They want to be around us. No, they're Christians and they love us too. And so we should extend that to others. And it it should be for all brethren. And then Paul says in verse number 10 that it ought to be advancing. And notice what he said in the latter part of verse number 10. He said, And we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. You know, the love in a church ought to be increasing. The harmony in a church should get stronger, not weaker. In fact, if you see the harmony in a church getting weaker, then I would encourage you to do everything you can to advance that love. Do everything you can to bring people together. Be a unifier in the church. Don't be a divider in the church. Walk in love. Walk in harmony as the Bible is teaching us here. Uh, Let it be automatic. Let it be with all brethren. Let it be advancing. Let Let it go forward and increase more and more. Now, if our love, uh, if we're going to walk in harmony and our love for believers is going to advance, you know what that means? That means that you and I are going to have to look for opportunities to express uh, love and and, and unity. We're going to have to look for opportunities to, to bring people together, to build up, to edify, to encourage. That's what our responsibility is. You know, it's the pastor's responsibility to rebuke the church when it needs to be rebuked. But it's not a member's responsibility to do that. No one has been uh, been deputized to go around the church and to straighten someone out. No, your responsibility is to love people, to, to help encourage and be a, be a strength in that way and, and, and build harmony, walk in harmony, the Bible says, and walk in, in, uh, walk in holiness, the Bible teaches us here. Then I want you to notice the third thing that, that Paul mentions here in verse number 11. He talks about walking in honesty. He says in verse number 11, And that you study to be quiet, and to do your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. You see, one of the problems that was going on in this epistle here... And Paul is encouraging and strengthening the, this this area. One of the problems that was taking place is, is that that some of these believers had been taught because Jesus is coming that they didn't need to work, they didn't need to, uh, they just needed to get ready for the Lord to come in, to come back. But Paul said, and that you study to be quiet, do your own business, work with your own hands as we commanded you. The word honestly in verse twelve means decently. Uh, it has to do with our testimony, our witness. And Paul says you you need to keep a good testimony. These believers that were not working was putting a responsibility, a burden on other believers, as well as they were having too much time on their hands. And I want to stop and say this. I believe God created man to work. And man ought to be busy. Man ought, ought to be busy doing something. I don't think that idle time is something that we need. And I think just as believers, we should never get bored. We should be busy. I, I remember growing up as a child, any time that uh, I stated I was bored, That meant that my parents was going to find something for me to do. That uh, boredom just meant that I wasn't doing anything. And I think it's true even as adults. When we act like we're bored, if we ever act like we're bored, it's because we're not busy. And uh, idle time will get you in trouble. And we certainly will see that a lot of times in people's life. But here the Apostle Paul, uh, he talks about in verse number 11, he mentions their silence. Notice what he said here. He said, and that you study to be quiet. He talks about uh, them studying to be quiet. You know, the Bible said, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. You know, a lot of people are swift to speak and they're slow to hear. And that's not what the Bible says. Let every man be slow to hear, uh, or, or swift to hear and slow to speak. You know, we ought to, to uh, learn to calm our tongue, to tame. I know the Bible says that we cannot tame our tongue, but in reality what we ought to do is give our tongue to God and say, Lord, help us not to say anything. Study. The word study means to, it means to look into. It means to learn. And my friend, you and I have a responsibility to learn how to just be quiet. The Bible said that, a man, that even a fool is counted wise when he holdeth his peace. And so you and I have a responsibility to tame uh, our thought process to uh, to ask the Lord to help us with our tongue, to just study to be quiet. And I, I think in the day that we're living in, that's a real problem because of social media. People are, are quick to put on there their opinions, their, their ideas, their two cents, and what they think about things. And, and I think it's got us in a world of trouble today uh, because people are so vocal. They don't know how to be quiet. They don't know how to uh, just, uh, you know, and they're going to have to give an account to God. We all are. The Bible said in every idle word that man shall speak, he shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Just because something is true, it doesn't need, mean it needs to be told. And so here Paul is encouraging uh, this church. He is encouraging them. He talks about their silence. If they're going to walk in honesty, they're going to have to learn how to keep their peace. And then he talks about their single-mindedness. He said in verse number 11, to do your own business. You know, every man has a responsibility in life. Every man has his own business And Paul says here that you're to be single-minded. You're to put your hand to the plow and you're to plow the field that God puts you in. I'm amazed today at how people try to set the standard for everybody else. When in reality the Bible sets our standard uh, but, you know, sometimes things will happen, things will take place, and, and someone will, will say, well, this is what everybody needs to do. I, uh, if you have social media, you see that all the time. Uh, people will go on there and they'll post something as if that's what the, everyone else needs to be doing because they are doing that. But the Bible says we're to do our own business. You know, just because there's a trend, just because there is a, a fad that people have fallen into, and I'm not criticizing uh, that, that fad necessarily if it's, if it's something I don't think we're to follow fads, but I'm not criticizing a fad that may be a positive thing. I'm not saying all fads are, are sinful. I mean, I think it's sinful to just be a follower within itself. But my, my point would be this, is just because there's a fad taking place, it doesn't mean that I have to do that. I'll give you an example of that. Uh, you know, if uh, if everybody is getting uh, the newest and and latest uh, shutters on their their house, it doesn't mean that I need to take my shutters off and and go out and buy these new shutters and take down the perfectly good ones that I have because that's what everybody is doing. I just need to do my own business. You know, just because so and so is wearing this outfit now and dressing this way doesn't mean everybody in the church has to dress that way. Just because so and so gets a new haircut or a new hairstyle doesn't mean Everybody needs to go do that. Just do your own business. Now, I'm not criticizing people that do, but I, listen, it would wear me out to follow all the trends and the fashions and, and all the, the different things. The world is constantly setting a new standard. And if we're not careful in our churches, we can become that same way. It puts a competitive spirit within a church. And the Bible tells us we're to, have a single, we're to be single-minded. We're to just uh, do what we're supposed to be doing and let the other man serve the way that God has called him to serve. You know, my ministry is not like other people's ministries. Their ministry is not like mine. But God called me and God called this preacher here and that preacher there. And we're to do the the job, the responsibility God has given us. And we're to follow that. And same as it is in the church. You know, in the church, I think people are better off to not know everything that's going on in everybody else's life. I think when we come to church, we we shouldn't tell everything that goes on in our life. I think that we sure shouldn't post everything that goes on in our life, and uh, we shouldn't be concerned about the business of others. We should be concerned about the needs of others. We ought to pray one for another. But I think we ought to endeavor. We ought to work to stay out of people's business, not to get in people's business. And so uh, Paul says, you need to walk honestly. You need to you need to just uh, uh, you need to be silent if you're going to walk honestly, so you need to have single-mindedness. And then uh, Paul mentions not just that, but Paul mentions here uh, sweat. Notice what he said in verse number 11, and to work with your own hands. Sweat. Paul talks about silence. He talks about single-mindedness. But then he talks about working with your own hands. Some sweat. Uh, don't be lazy. Don't be slothful. Don't be one of these... Um, uh, church members, that that you're just always uh, depending upon others. You're always in need of something or someone. Uh, you need to get out and work with your own hands, and, and you need to earn your own keep in life. You know, I, I've made this statement often that the church is not a bank. The church is not a loan company. Sure, we take up offerings and we help people, and we try to help those that are in need at times, but uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I want to help people that appreciate it but never expect it. Amen. Uh, that's the kind of people we're supposed to be helping. You can't help people that are always passing by, putting their hand out and wanting to, wanting to help. If you give people a handout, guess what? They'll be back next week for another handout. And the Bible doesn't teach us to do that. We are to, we are to help the poor, help the needy. But, but I want to tell you, uh, our responsibility is to preach the gospel. Amen? Jesus said, the poor you'll have with you always. But there are those people in life uh, that, listen, they're not poor, they're sorry. And there's a difference in being poor and being sorry. You know, some people, they work hard all their life. And their lot in life is just that they're poor. But they're clean. They're good-hearted people. They love God. And poor people have always been what's kept this nation going. And, and I thank God for poor people. I grew up poor, and I'm sure a lot of other people can relate to, to being poor. I'm not rich now by no means. And I'm sure most of you would make the same statement. But, but I want to tell you something. Just because somebody's poor doesn't mean they're sorry. But there are those that they are poor because they wouldn't hit a lick of a the snake. They wouldn't work. They're always, they're always relying on someone else. They always want to be bailed out. They always want somebody to, to do the work for them. And the best thing to do for people like that is leave them to themselves where they have to work, where they'll learn to, to have to sweat. And I would say, listen, to every one of us, the work of God is a big work. It's not for lazy people. You and I have a responsibility to work with our own hands. Pastors need to be busy pastor, a pastor that's lazy, that spends more time on the golf course than he does out on visitation, will never build a, a church for the glory of God. A pastor that's always on the internet surfing for a new outline, but won't uh, crack his Bible open and study and pray and get a message from God. And I'm not against using other people's outlines and things. Don't misunderstand me, but I will tell you, you, better get the inline before you get the outline. You better spend time in the Word of God and spend time praying. But a lazy pastor, uh, he'll never feed his flock. He may give them a skeleton on Sunday, but there'll be no substance and there'll be no spirit in what he has to say if he's lazy. We've got to be workers. People in the church, if you have a Sunday school class, you ought to work your Sunday school class. You ought to check on their needs. You ought to pray for them. You ought to try to recruit new people to your Sunday school class and and work. Be Be a worker in your church. Paul said, work with your own hands. Work and strive and labor. And Paul is mentioning that. He said in verse number 12 that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. You know, if a man will work, whether it be on the job or whether it be the spiritual work of the Lord's work, if a man will just work, here's what God will do for that man. God will give the increase and God will make up the difference. God knows that none of us can obtain anything within ourselves we could never there are people today that you that have great jobs that they'll tell you that uh, that I shouldn't be having the job that I have but somehow God has blessed me and that's what it is God has seen their efforts God has seen their labor there are those that labor in the ministry that God has blessed them because of their labor and their work, and that's what He does. He blesses us when we 're faithful. He blesses us when we 're fervent in our work and I've seen people a lot of times that in the ministry they uh, uh, young preachers even they want the limelight they want to you know they, they come in a church where a pastor's got a full-time salary in a large church or, or a good sized church, and, and they want that. The only thing is they don't understand that it took years for that to take place. And if that, that pastor still does not think of himself as something but the labor, the work, the sweat, the toil, the tears that was involved. And the pastor knows it's not him. He knows it's it's God given the increase. But we're living in a day when when a lot of young men, they want that that limelight, they want that, they want to start pastoring a church, just starting out the gate, they want a full time salary and a, and, a, and they want a big congregation. They don't understand number one, they couldn't handle it. And number two, they don't understand that those preachers that they see, that a lot of them started out in storefront buildings or with a handful of people. But just down through the years of just working and working and working and being faithful, whether it was a big crowd or a little crowd, God gave them the increase. What I'm saying to you is this. God increases those who will labor. God will not do for us what we can do for ourselves. He will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But He's not going to bless you with a big paying job if you don't labor and work. He's not going to bless your class if you're lazy and you don't work. He's not going to bless a pastor that's lazy and will not work. But God will increase those. And we can walk honestly. I'd rather stand in the pulpit on Sunday and know that what, uh, standing before the people knowing that I can stand there honestly. There's no greater feeling than that. And so Paul says, walk in holiness, walk in harmony. And then Paul says, walk in honesty. These are things that Paul gives this church and these believers here that will help them on how to please their Heavenly Father. Our Father, as we come into Your presence now, we want to thank You. Lord, I'm glad You're a God that can be pleased. And I'm glad there's no mystery about how to please You. If we'll just walk honestly, if we'll walk in harmony with our fellow men, and if we'll walk in holiness by obeying Your principles and obeying Your commandments... We can please You as our Father and we'll thank You for what You do, dear God, in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.